Welcome, dear readers, to Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read. By yours truly, my name is Kaki. And I'm Kay, and remember, we only judge a book by its cover. And what do we have in store for our readers this week? Today's book is by Lisanne Norman, Between Darkness and Light. Oh, it's a cracker. Page-turner, totally. Aren't all books technically page-turners? Well, yes, but sometimes you turn them faster than the others. Is that, but is that maybe... It also like... depends on the typeface and the size of the pages. Yes, of course, kind of course, of course. they're a large face, but, but is that, like, if you don't turn the pages, you're not reading the book, is kind of what I'm saying. So it's a book that invites continuing to read. But what about a book? Hey, I'm just trying to like keep an open mind to different writing styles. What about a book that really, really uh, uh, invites you to savor it? Oh, a slow page turner. Yeah, I suppose. I'm thinking. I mean, not to actually become a literary review podcast or anything <laughs> like that. But I'm thinking of House of Leaves by Mark Z. Danielewski. Uh, I don't think uh, I've read that. Well, it's this, it's this weird, it's a, it's a weird sort of horror book that also plays with typography and typesetting. Oh, I think I've heard you mention that. Yeah. And as the, uh, uh secondary third level protagonist, that's, it, it's multiple framing narrative. Yeah. The, their mind deteriorates. The pages become full and full of just lists printed sideways and long oh. ways and upside down. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a list of architects and a list of this and a list of that. And I spent ages and ages just reading all of them, trying to see if there was like a code or a puzzle in there. Yes. And then, okay, spoiler alert, and then you turn a page and there's a black square and I screamed and I dropped the book. Ah. It was so, so scary, just so surprised. You just got yourself so deep into the mind of that character that you suddenly went like, oh. So that's also possible that you're just, that you're really savoring it. Or I had that with uh, uh, Ted Chang's uh, A Story of You and Others. The film Arrival was based on one of his uh, short stories. That's uh, that's A Story of You. Yeah, so you could have, I mean, page lingerers. Oh, well, that's a nice page one. Page lingerer as opposed to page turner, as opposed to threw it in a pile somewhere and never going to finish it, actually. You have to take a book off that pile. Yeah, yeah, I have. It's oh, like when you okay. come back to the years. Usually there's something about the book that I'm reminded of and I want to go right. and show it to someone and then I have to dig through it and find the quote that I was looking for or something like that. Hey, look at us actually becoming a literary oh, review and book reading podcast. We've gone wrong somewhere. Our, our readers at home must be so confused. Are they maybe even listening to the right podcast? <laughs> No, I, I can assure I you, this so. is still cover my ass, and this week's book is a courtroom drama. Ah, that's right. It's objection. Daytime TV star Romula de Deridex is mistaken for the galaxy's brightest adjudicator and kidnapped to mediate between two galactic empires, literally cats and dogs, vying for the custody of their recently discovered ancestral homeworld. With the threat of war looming overhead, Romula must come to grips with the complexities and seductions of Space Court. And if you look down at your podcasting device, you should, should be seeing the cover of today's book. And otherwise, you can check out the show notes or the website, covermyascast.com, for an image and a link. So on the, on the cover, I mean, it's kind of a bold composition where the entire top half is largely brown. And then you have sort of a, a window view screen area where a stern looking humanoid tusked long-haired, blue-lit alien figure in a, in a tunic and a torque and holding a dagger gazes out while in front of the screen there's a, there's a desk where uh, Romula, the Deridex, yes. is, is sitting there in her, uh, in her spandex uh, adjudicator's costume and uh, one of the other alien lawyers in his, in his lawyer's tunic is arguing the case. Yeah, I'd say that the artist here is better at drawing humans than at drawing furries because… She looks great, right? 
She looks great. The other two, not so much. Well, maybe that's just hey, Maybe that's just what the aliens look like. I suppose. That's... There's an obvious scaling problem. Well, one where... of them is huge, and the other one is kind of slim, and then she is kind of, yeah. Yeah, and it's the and it's the red main one that's closer has a bit of a wonky head. Oh, I don't know. Look, look at that jaw. It's like a super, super sharp chin. Yes. And then, like, yeah, weird... Yeah, it's a straight-up mandible. I suppose fangs, which are on, like, upper and lower fangs, but then, like, a but muscle... But I don't see lips. Mu- so... A muscle that kind of looks like it had a run-in with a shovel... <laughs> Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got a got a Belfast kiss. Is that what it's called? <laughs> it's a headbutt. Oh, it beats her. What is it? Was it a Belfast smile? Uh, oh, there's a, there's a lot of variations of that. Uh, that doesn't bear thinking about. It's uh, it's one actor who who's, who's got that. Uh, yes, he was in Gladiator. Yeah, um, he was also in um, uh, Sons of Anarchy. Oh, was he? Yes, he's a, he's one of my favorite actors. He's, I yeah, really he's really enjoy seeing. But him yeah, he's got those huge sc- Joker scars up his cheeks. Ugh. Yeah, that must be quite a uh, unpleasant experience getting those. Speaking of unpleasant experiences, you see this fucking chair that she's sitting on. Yes. See that? It looks so weird. I mean, it doesn't even look padded. I thought that at first. Yeah. Those sort of crinkling. Uh... I'm getting the impression that we're only seeing half of it, and that on the other side there's kind of like another uh, pillar similar to that, and it's got oh, this so like. It's got these posts, but no back. Well, it's, so if you have like two posts, which are kind of close, you've got this big gap in the middle, which yeah. for, for these tails would be like an alternative tail uh, chair design. So you can kind of like lean back with a shoulder blade against each of those posts, but still have room for your spine and tail to poke through between them. Huh. I, mm, but we're a literary review podcast, not an interior decoration design uh, well, podcast. Well, hold on. Uh, Kay. Yes. We've just dove right in. So we talked about reading books. Yes. And we've, we've started talking about this book and we haven't talked about any bullshit. Oh. Our readers at home must be so proud of us. I am so proud of you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. We're, we're doing well. Yeah. Yes. Good. No, that's we're, what I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. Well, okay. So I've, I've noticed this the, the, the last couple of weeks. I, yeah. I, I do kind of like it. It's this extremely cheerful, like, look. Of, of glee whenever anything resembling approval comes. Yes, there it is. There it is. That's the one. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. The one. When you're talking that's about right, anything, yeah. yeah, and you've got your, your eyes have this have this charming sort of beady quality. I just, mm, thank like, you. What's been going on with you with this? Just purely out of interest. Just been doing the regular things around the library, you know, taking care of stuff, making sure that everything's nice and tidy and washed and everything like that. Washed. That's the okay. Then we're back to that again. That one. That one threw me a bit for a bit of a, a a bit of a loop last time. So you wash your books? No, that's disapproved of washing books. Yeah. Yes, I thought so too. Other things can be washed, like Water damage, messes yeah. that get like made in the in the library, especially that stuff around the. Uh, what was it again? The romantic fiction department. That was a total yeah, mess. Yeah, yeah, the best. The best not dwelled upon. Took a while I, to get I that tidy. Took a while to romance. get that tidied up. Yeah. Oh, but it's tidied up. Now. It is. It is. It is. Oh, well done. Now that's that's actually quite a quite a distance away. I mean, I've been riding my uh, uh, three eagle three tricycle mm-hmm. through the uh, through the library on our on our mission of exploration for a while because we're still. That's what we're doing, isn't it? Yeah, we're still looking for the, uh, oh, the, the mating grounds. Yes, you're the one who's exploring that. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And I'm keeping notes in my little journal. I, I lost track of you there for a while, but fortunately we, we found each other again. I'm just catching all the readers up at home on the unnecessary lore. Uh, strange, because I could swear the podcast has been coming out just fine, but... I haven't heard it. Yeah. I never do. I mean, yeah. I just send this off into the ether. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, do people listen? Supposedly. But yes, uh, we must continue because we need more podcasting material because that needs to be sent out. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. No, that's right. That's right. Book. That's right. People are relying on us to inform them about books. these books with these fantastic covers. Uh, and today we're talking about Between Darkness and Light by Lisanne Norman. Now, I thought that the title was slightly misleading. Mm-hmm. Darkness and light are, of course, very, they're very judgmental. One's generally considered to be positive and the other one negative. Right. Depending on the, on the, on the context. And I, like, much like Romula, whom we'll yeah. get to in a second, I had a really hard time 
figuring out who was the goodies and who was the baddies, and also I think that's the, kind of the point of the book. Who was who was who? Okay, so well, that just latter part, who's who? Yes, that might be a little bit difficulty from the uh, from the author, but yeah, the whole who's the good side and who's the bad side. I think yeah. that's like intentionally ambiguous because it's legal drama. You know, if it is clear cut that one side is no, the true. underdog, <laughs> we'll come ah. to that. Yeah, then that's going to like bias you into into the trial. That it becomes more about the the issue at hand rather than the struggle itself. So we begin with Romula the Deridex, a, a daytime television star, famous for her, I mean, honestly, her apathy, mm-hmm. her famous catchphrase, whatever. It's like... Uh, uh, yeah, she was the one who invented that in the, oh, in the, in the, in the 90s. That word never didn't exist before then? Uh, not with the, the sort of oh. 90s cynical disdain of oh, whatever. whatever. Exactly. So there's all these, these variations that have sprung up since then. And, and they're all thanks to uh, Romula the Deridex, who even in the, in, the, in the later years of her career, now migrated to, uh, to daytime soap operas. <laughs> she still like tugs on the old nostalgia strings with her famed youthful catchphrases. And these, these programs of hers are enjoyed much in the style of uh, Galaxy Quest. Mm, uh, widely across a, the galaxy. Yes, yeah. exactly. So when these two rival empires, the Kakarikek and the Kekarikek, yeah. they eventually negotiated that they needed a, a, a neutral adjudicator to, to help deal with this intractable problem that they experienced because during a recent bout of Space Bowl – which some people may remember uh, from episode 27. It's the Paul Anderson one. Is it that long ago already? I, it's, yeah, I think it's, I think that's about how far it goes. Okay. Yeah. Look it up. <laughs> that would be cheating. Wow. <laughs> I mean, Objection! Obje- oh dear! <laughs> but yes, during a recent bout of spaceball, where uh, asteroids are are slung about the solar system to uh, create as much damage as possible, a meteor cluster was broken open and revealed beneath it the the abandoned husk of both of these empires' ancestral homeworld, long abandoned and long thought lost. Well, let's, yeah, at least they both claim it to be their ancestral homeworld. So they needed a neutral party, and who could possibly be more neutral than Romula the Deridex? With her universal disdain and apathy mistaken for impartiality. You know, if you don't care about either party, you are kind of impartial. That's the theory. That's it's... the theory. Because they're very passionate people, both of these. Uh, the, oh, yeah. The, 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 the Kekarikek and the Kekarikek. They're both very... So uh, uh, having someone who's so dispassionate as not to care, that's exactly who they want. It's going to be a little bit of a problem to actually get them involved enough. But they uh, send uh, the two delegates back to Earth. Ah, yes. Uh, her handlers on, on either side, that's uh, Rorf with an F, yeah. and then there was also Rorf with two R's. Right. That's how we can distinguish it from each well, other. Rorf with an F also has two R's. Yeah, so I had real trouble with this book, Kay. I, I've, got to, I've got to tell you, I think, I think I've got a handle on it, but I, I, I shudder to think what, what will happen if we turn out to have different ideas about, about what actually happened. But hey, maybe that's the point of the book. That is kind of the point of the book, because it's like there's a lot of... Mm, obfuscation of what's actually going on. As is proper for a courtroom drama, there's supposed to be a lot of... Uh... There's, there's a few surprises, which she does a good job of setting them up and giving just enough hints and clues in the rest of the book to make sure that you're not completely... Uh... Oh, you mean Lisanne Norman, the author? Yes. Okay, and not Romula de Deridex. No, no. See, you... uh, it's super confusing, Kay. It's just so, it's like, whatever. Ah, huh? see? Uh... I did a, yeah, I did a catchphrase. I mean, I personally dislike books... Uh, especially mysteries, yeah. where the re- big reveal is a total ass pull. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah when yeah. it's when just like, could, oh, when you suddenly... possibly uh, have known. Exactly, yeah. When there's like, oh, so suddenly there's new information, which, well, if I'd known that, then, yeah. you know, okay, whatever. 
You know, a lot of the Sherlock Holmes stories lean on that. And by the way, it's not deduction, it's induction. Induction, yeah. Is what he, is what he does. Where you, uh, let me see, deduction is where you derive the specific from the general. Yeah. You know that geese are white and somebody has a goose, so that's going to be white. Yeah. Right? Versus deriving the general from the, from the specific. Right, like. Nice. Soot on his face, therefore minor. Yes, could be a chimney sweep, for instance. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but the shoelaces show that. You know. But you know, <laughs> they come, they come to Earth quietly, sneaking uh, into the apartment, and there's a little bit of a shock for her, realizing yes. that, Jack, oh yeah, these are like space aliens. Uh, they, they look no? like cat dog people. And she goes, like, oh my god, like furries. It's like. I didn't expect those here after the uh, like. Yeah, yeah, you can take the suits off, and it's like, what are you talking about? I did one convention, guys. Like you, you were taking your opportunity to fursuit there to press, but it not even being a fur con, but like you know, furries, they're like trekkies. They'll take any opportunity they can to wear their suits. Yes, it's, exactly. Bust in on a ren fair and figure out some exactly. way. I mean, the Klingons show up at furry conventions. Oh yeah, they? they have they host great parties there. So. Oh yeah, those fantastic cocktails. Yes, the warp core reactor. I still don't understand why the Klingons were serving Romulan eggs. As well, but eh, you know, <laughs> when in a when, when in a, a any, any space in a storm, station in a storm, yeah, and an ion storm. Ah, oh, that's the one I should have gone for. Any space station in an ion storm, and they ask her that traditional sci-fi question: "Will you help us? You are our only hope." <laughs> yes. Sort of paraphrasing a much more important question asked by another capable young woman, uh, to which her answer is whatever. Whatever. Okay, whatever. And she's oh, yes, you're perfect. You're perfect. Just as we imagined. And they get her to pack her things. And she's like, yeah, fine, whatever. You know, I can do a side gig. Yeah. Uh, whatever. What does it pay? <laughs> yeah. And they make her That's good fine. offers. Like they, they went like, okay, well, we heard something about one million per show that she was pulling in towards the end of her, oh, yeah. uh, for, towards for her, her career. And they got like, okay, well, the shows are 12, see, 12 per season. So, so 12 million. And she goes like, oh, for one job. Yeah. Okay. I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do it. They had no idea 12 million watts, but it's just like, you know, <laughs> as long as she doesn't know that they don't know, <laughs> yeah. then it doesn't make the blindest bit of difference. I'm sure that someone will figure it out before. Yeah. It comes we'll, up. we'll yeah. sort it out afterwards yeah, when, yeah. when the matter of invoicing comes up and there might be a separate lawsuit about that. But yeah, who cares? That's not really their problem at this point. No, exactly. It's, and, and now it's very much a Romulus problem because she has to figure out like how does how does space law work when you have the million year old civilizations by the thousands competing for resources and in this case a very precious resource that can't be replicated because it's historical with with millennia and millennia of just obscure ritual and biology specific cultural expressions. I've got to say, uh, I think Lisanne Norman did a, did a wonderful job examining how cultural aspects of alien species uh, would be represented in their in their legal ceremonies. Yes. Well, because we have on Earth already, we have a lot of uh, pomp and circumstance. Hmm. Uh, hear ye, hear ye. Yeah, uh, uh, before the court starts, there's wigs. We have frock coats in in the Netherlands. All right. Uh, well, that's just polite. I think that's only said. Yeah, I think that's only said like at the, the judges first session in, yeah. of the no, well, of the morning. No, and of and and after lunch and for the rest of the time, is please remain seated just so they can get on yeah, yeah. after he, after he takes a break. And this is us just with a few thousand years of of legal precedent in and, one particular. And these people planet. have millennia. Yes. Yeah, 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 and they have multiple planets. So first, she has a bit of the uh, culture shock experience of when she gets taken out by the aliens and uh, to their spaceship. Yeah. And flown into space and she's like wait this is not what i signed up for at least it's not what i thought i signed up for she does have the sense to be a little confused a bit dodging about, through about the, the satellites and then taking off for the planet oh no we didn't get that, that yet ah. so the, the the planet currently being argued about by the kakarakek and the kakarakek is the recently discovered planet kakarakek right 
which is how both of them have established that that this is their ancestral home world because it's yeah because it, it it is clearly named after one of their names but like as important as syllabic emphasis is for these for these languages they don't actually write it down very no, well it's so, like it's, it's it's a lot of you know how it, how linguistic drift happens over time Oh yeah, and a lot quicker than millennia. So there's quite a been. I think there's been quite a bit of back and forth here between I mean, the, even, the two even species. Even on Earth, we have this. We have this problem. I mean, there are some languages, and I'm thinking of, for instance, Hebrew, and I think Arabic, where uh, uh, vowels are not encoded, and you're supposed yeah. to just know. Uh, uh, so here we have a, a similar problem, except based on syllabic emphasis rather than pronunciation. Yeah. So they take her to the planet Kekarikek. That's the planet it's all about. Where they, in the no, meantime, right. well, they in the meantime have built a space station in orbit around it to uh, hold the uh, court proceedings and trials in. Yeah, because uh, like you know we can't we can do it on the planet, but neither of them no. really trusts the other, exactly. and there have been parties sent out, but they've always been carefully mixed and balanced of both species because nobody wants a war because they've been through that before. Yeah, and they know that. No like, yeah, this it's, it's a sense of mutual short destruction that they don't want that. They're both like you no know, fairly dignified species when it comes to their. Uh, you can tell by their culture. Well, I mean, that's a completely Earth-like fabrication that tunics are serious matter yeah, or well. toga party. But <laughs> oh, yeah, nothing quite as dignified as a toga party, is there? Well, yeah. So back on, on the space station, she gets assigned two uh, assistants, one from each species. Ah, yes. One of them's called Nadler, and the other one's called Reldon. I really liked Nadler and Reldon. Like, they were, they were very considerate to her. They were I mean, obviously huge fans, so any time that she dismissed them, they were just delighted. Ah, yes. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Whatever she's going to oh, say. Oh, she said it. She said it. <laughs> yes, squealing together and like <laughs> like king school children. And actually, I got the impression that they quickly turned naturally actually to be the best of friends. Really, I mean, they have a lot in common. Most of their fandom of her, and they have the same job, and they and they, they, they yeah, I, I really enjoyed their 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 friendship. But their relationship is is soon strained a bit when they approach her and scare her out of her out of her wit when they approach her with the. Uh, dagger of justice mm. in a ceremonial but rather threatening form where they sort of turn the lights on while she's in bed and jump onto her bed and, and sort of thrust it into her face. <laughs> Here, it's yours, it's yours. Take yeah. it. <laughs> she, of course, doesn't know the words of the ceremony because like, something they've kind of forgot that like not everybody does that. Yeah. Uh, and there's a little bit of screaming and fighting and then two very apologetic aliens about uh, disturbing their uh, their great hero. I guess it must be very confusing for them that they, they did her this great honor, which, they, which she did yes. not appreciate. Of course, it does make for a brilliant scene later on in the book when there is an uh, when oh, yeah. there is an assassination attempt on her in a very ah, much yes. similar version, yeah. uh, and she just thinks that it's uh, Natler and Reldan at it again, and she completely dismisses it like oh, whatever, and uh, which leaves the assassin <laughs> yeah. completely baffled and like wait, I'm I'm supposed to like go and yeah, yeah, kill yeah. you and whatever, uh, whatever, uh, and she just sort of oxters him out the room exactly, and it's like the assassin is well found in the hallway where he's swiftly taken care of by her pair of uh, trial assistants, unfortunately to the point where he's unrecognizable and there. Therefore, it's not really clear which party he was from. Yes, that's a bit of a shame. I found that this was one of the one of the cultural aspects that I that I really enjoyed the the tradition of the surprised witness, where rather than yeah yeah, so we know that on Earth a surprised witness is kind of a contrivance. Yeah, here quite the opposite. Here is the surprised witness, where like someone can suddenly be called out without any uh, previous information, no yeah. prep, no nothing, uh, and this applies to everyone. Everyone can be surprised. This is just a, a, a core like they've got justice pranks kind of oh yeah 
just to make sure that everybody stays on their toes and takes it seriously and 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 never like sort of dozes off. And yeah, so a lot of these things are done in secret. Yeah, then suddenly it's like person X or Y is called out, much to their own surprise because they didn't believe that they had anything to do with it. Mm. Usually, in this case, most surprised was probably the historian who suddenly got uh, dragged out yeah. again, dragged out of bed, like black bagged over the head. Yeah, brandishing the dagger away. of justice. This is one of the things that uh, our heroine is, uh, starts to figure out. She goes on a uh, trip to the planet and like has, has a look around herself again with uh, yeah. uh, lots of uh, lots of the staffs around to make sure that nothing is disturbed or nothing untoward yes, is yes, being in done. A, in, a, in a ceremonial like hazmat suit, yeah, and so then, that she doesn't <laughs> contaminate the yes. planet, which is kind of like, as far as I understand it, it is literally a ceremonial hazmat suit. It doesn't actually yeah, has any hazmat properties. It doesn't have any under pressure uh, no. systems and controls. No, or, in which, fact, it sheds quite a lot. That's these two species. They're both wig. quite fuzzy and. Yes, it's like it's like the cousin it costume. Yes, <laughs> it's, <laughs> yes, it's just a ghillie suit <laughs> made with <laughs> hair instead. Of <laughs> but yeah, it's the ceremonial aspect that kind of that kind of matters. I mean, there's we we have um, on Earth cultures we have various like absurdities that we that we sort of treat as 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 factual. Like there was the the, the idea that oh, uh, a lot of scandal attached to uh, uh, childbearing out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. Right, because then then one is no longer a virgin and yes. no longer marry. And depending on the culture, like about a, a year and a half after the birth of the child, yeah. one is considered a virgin again. Oh, okay, and that just and that's just kind of like it's all not talked yeah, about. We're just back, yeah, just like the myopia that uh, an entire congregation can uh, develop in not seeing that the bride is six months pregnant. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, and then three months later, I was also at at four months. I was a very premature baby. baby. Ah, yes, I can imagine. But we're yeah. all very worried. Also relieved that everything is all right with the kid. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's amazing how those things work, isn't it? And then we witness something very surprising, much like in this bizarre legal system. She, after her inspection of the of the planet, which is a largely lifeless rock, mm. uh, it was it was smashed by various asteroids. Well, there was the asteroid off. rubble thing around it, which was uh, kind of like b- brushed away. But there is still some evidence left of the the past civilizations. Yes, yes. Between the various craters, there is writing that is that is. Clearly, either Kakarikakian or Kakarikakian, mm. to to indicate that both of these sides have a have a legitimate claim. Yes, the historian does not offer anything conclusive, and and, and no, the, just, the whole syllable stressing thing is yeah very confusing to uh, our heroine, who is I mean her catchphrase gets worked out a lot after like it's like the ten minute discussion on the like the the nuances of this particular engraving that they found. Whatever. Yes, yes, exactly. And everyone is still, still so thrilled that she maintains so much impartiality. Especially since, like, you know, when an expert from one side is heard, an expert from the other side on the same subject must also be heard. The two lawyers give their concluding testimony. Rorf, yes. Yes. Was that Rorf with an F or Rorf with two R's? At this point, it almost doesn't matter because that's when they introduce her to the switching of the sides, where the plaintiff and defendant start arguing each other's case. Yes. Because impartiality is something that they they find very difficult. Both the Kakarakekians and the, and the Kakarakekians are, are very passionate people who tend to escalate any any conflict that they find themselves mm-hmm. in. So, like actually arguing the other's case with equal ferocity, if not more so, is uh, I mean, it has a sort of calming effect on everyone. It's, it's, it's cathartic. Well, it's kind of like, it, it reminds me a little bit of the practice of the uh, devil's advocate. Yeah, you know where that expression comes from? Oh no, I just know that it's, it's horribly uh, it's, used it's, by some people yeah, on the internet. It's from the Roman Catholic Church, mm-hmm. I believe. It is when someone is about to be elevated as a saint or something oh. like that. They're, they they actually hold a trial. 
and one of the cardinals is arguing for this, and yeah. another cardinal is playing the role of the advocate of the devil, literally, who oh. is who is arguing against the, this person being declared a saint. Oh, and as far as I'm aware, that's where the, the expression "devil's that's, advocate" comes from. Oh, I like that. It's like, yeah. I wonder if it's frowned upon for someone to be too successful as a as Ooh, a devil's advocate. That seems, if you're letting them off easy, then you know you might be like elevating people into sainthood who don't actually deserve it. Yes, uh, imagine that happening. Well, you know, I can I can understand that. Well, it's sort of like giving, like looking at at some Nobel Prize winners yes. in history. Who Odalali, the chap who invented the ice pick lobotomy, got a, uh, a yes. Nobel Prize for for, for medicine oh, for yeah. horribly mutilating and scarring and 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 yeah. Oh god, that's like the procedure is like yep. Oh. It it doesn't bear it doesn't bear thinking about. No, let's not. The two wharfs. Uh, switch sides, and then confusingly, so do Nalder and and Reldan, who then also switch sides with the the lawyers. So now her assistants are the two Rorfs. Yes, and at least now she can tell the lawyers apart because now one of them is called Nadler and and and, and Reldan, but they have also switched sides, so they've 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 changed each other's names. And but- I can I can sort of understand like the the historical origin where. I mean, these are species who, when there's when there's three of them in eye contact, mm-hmm. two of them will develop some kind of vendetta, right? They yes. are they are so the uh, the adjudicator mm-hmm. is assumed to be unable to resist the urge to dislike one or the other or the other personally, and so by having them switch sides, at least you can be sure that the argument is being heard rather yes. than that the person in question is being uh, maligned. What I also loved was the whole thing, uh, the scene about the courtroom where it's like. Very strictly regulated how high everybody's seat is. Oh, there's like people walking around with yardsticks to make sure that the adjudicator has actually has the highest seat. Yes, uh, relative to her height as well, and her hairstyle is taken into account. See, this is kind of a this is kind of their their feline heritage coming out. Isn't I it? think so. Yes, it's very much a cat thing. Like who it's, can sit higher yeah, and, and, and like, see who can see, see everybody, more. who yeah. can like get their eye on everybody and make sure. This, I like that. And of course, then the in the book, which uh, I really like that part where it's like I guess it's like the attempts from one side to uh, discredit the judicator by imp- ah, implying yeah. that there was a sexual relationship between her and one of the assistants. Because like yeah. people were there and they definitely smelled the scent of sex in the air. <laughs> yeah. Now this of course is after the switching at the sides. So now her, her two assistants are are, are, are the, the two wharfs mm. who definitely hadn't been anywhere near her outside of outside no, the board. We don't have a problem with spoilers here, but I kind of like that she did just a little bit of sleuthing of her own, and it turns out that yes, there was sex involved, but it was just between the two roars themselves. Yeah, and apparently they were having a bit of a relationship on the side, and uh, angry, angry sex, the fur flying, but uh, bless her. I, I guess this must have been one of one one party which thought that it would be beneficial to them to discredit the adjudicator and like disrupt the proceedings, which I think is another aspect of their legal ritual, which is the. Mutual grooming that I think got, got a little control. bit out of hand. Yes. Yeah. Well, they they to... kind of liked it a little bit too much. Well, who can who can blame them? It's, no. really, it's really quite nice. big, sexy beasts. I mean, yeah. And so we get to the final stage, uh, which I think we see represented on the, on the on the cover here, which is the reenactment of the of the crime, still integrated with the surprising of the witness, uh-huh. one of the lawyers. So I think that's the Nadler or Reldan by now, because I, of the, so many swapping. Especially considering we have to like view this through the air of a cover artist, it could be either one of them. <laughs> I mean, the decor- through the ear of. A cover artist. I said the eye of a cover artist. That's not what you said, oh, okay. my dear. Well, <laughs> All right. well no, there's the right. there's the 
dagger of justice prominently on display the, here. Yes, in the in the hand of of one of the of one of the former handlers, now lawyers. God, it it got out of control. This book, but yes, they they stole the dagger of justice and went to perform a reenactment, but. There's no crime to reenact. No, that is it. It's not a crime. It's more a possession law it's trial. A, yeah, and yet they don't have any other protocols that that don't involve crimes because they yeah. just can't imagine anybody wanting anything that didn't like that someone didn't steal. Weird. They're standing there. They're posturing a bit. They're trying to get trying to reenact this thing, but the reenactment is really only the trial itself. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> That's yes, right. they're reenacting the exact trial that they just previously at which point Romula has it like whatever, and she introduces not the uh, the surprising of the witness, but the surprising of the court. Ah, because she says like, okay, I want to go back down to the, the planet, planet Kar-Kak. the Karikak, yes, where a temple building has been uh, uncovered. Ah, yes, the 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 temple of Karikak. Karikak, yes, that's the one in the Sator the Sator Square Temple. Yes, I believe they call it. <laughs> it's called the uh, Karikak. Yes, turns out that there's genetic evidence which links the two species together to by the way absolutely fucking no one's surprise whoever read this book I mean, no they are they are indistinguishable from each other but apparently they have this deep-seated problem with each other yeah and like i i i found that i found that romula was a was a was a great like audience substitute uh, audience surrogate because I could not understand why these two species thought they were different. Were at each other, yes. They have a they have a shared language. They have a shared history. Everything they do is the same. They they agree on one hundred percent of all of their ceremonies, except the ownership of the planet. And yeah, yeah. This is presented in the court. She she presents it to herself. I guess it's like yeah, the the, the surprised court rather than the surprised witness. Yeah, uh, and but then there's some protesting from Nadler and Reldon, but she's like whatever, <laughs> and they're like oh yeah, but but that's against, and she goes, but we can't argue with whatever. No. <laughs> She's got it. She's got it locked tight. She's, yep, she's absolutely impenetrable, and thus the the delegates of the Kekarikek and Kekarikek gather in Kekarikek Temple on the planet Kekarikek to to finally join their 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 two species and erase their differences because they they have come to the realization they we are not cats and no. dogs. We are we are cat dogs, and we always have. Been. We are the same. Yes. Which now I guess if that was the if that was the 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 brief that the cover artist got. Like they're 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 cats and dogs and they're not. Uh, but they're not the same. Yeah, they're but not they're, the same. But they are the but same. They are the same. Yeah, but they're, but but they're they not. Kind of missed out on that part. I mean, they, these two could be the same species, you know. You know, especially exactly. if you look at various cats and how different they can be, and especially dogs, who of course, been bred for it. But uh, I'm trying to think if there's any any case where you could mistake one for the other. Oh, the cat the, for a dog? Yes. Yeah, this there's photos. Like, what a cute pet. Is the cat or a dog? I don't know. And it oh, could be is it one of those those with lots of hair and very small grumpy faces? Yes. Yeah, those are the ones. Yeah, that'll, that'll do. <laughs> and you're like, oh, not sure, really. Could go either way. Not sure if cat or dog. Yeah. But uh, yes, at the final thing, she introduces uh, a new legal concept to the uh, trial. Yes. The, the illegimiti non carborundum, or don't let the bastards grind you down. <laughs> Yeah, and resolving the uh, yeah, I, I resolving the conflict. I wasn't quite sure how that last one resolved the the, the conflict, but it, well, it was the, 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 the evidence resolved the conflict, and she had had it with this whole proceeding. Yeah, uh, and like as as I'm sure, yeah, as I'm sure any one of us would have, because there 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 was there was fucking nothing doing. 
But she leaves them with this, this pearl of wisdom on which they'll mull for the next thousand years. Hopefully, they won't wind up using that as their battle cry for their, for their now unified imperial conquest <laughs> Look, yes. of the universe. Well, at least she, she got them to agree that she, they weren't going to mess around with Earth. I wonder if we're ever going to find a sequel where we have the, the Kekare Kekians now unified conquering the universe on the, well, on, on the mission to grind the bastards. It's, this is a book, as the title says, from the Sholan Alliance, so it might be actually more of a, more of these books in the series. Oh, like, that's fun. It's, uh, I'm really curious about more. I really enjoyed this book. Yes, it was a great book. How are it's, we going to rate it? It was a bit bewildering. Yeah. Okay, well, oh yeah, I've got one. Uh? Uh, either 8 or 11, because those are ones that you can mirror and flip, and it's still good. Oh, that's very good. 8 out of 11. Oh, wow! <laughs> oh, nailed it! Yes. Excellent. Straight on. So what do we have in store for... Oh, wow, I really like that. Yeah. What do we have in store for our readers next week? Next week's book is by Jack Handy. What I'd Say to the Martians and Other Weird Threats. <laughs> <laughs> Very appropriate. And that about covers it. Thank you for joining us at Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay. And remember, we, we only, only judge a book by its cover. Is this what they call flipping the script? I suppose. It's, it's a bit confusing as well, isn't it? Yeah, it was a bit definitely. Yeah.